It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. As states begin to reopen, social distancing lessens, and many wonder if there's anything we can do to improve our odds of remaining healthy. Dr. Paul Zaitch joins us today to talk about actions we can take that may make a difference. Dr. Zaitz is a leading public health expert and former Obama and Trump administration official. He currently serves as the founder of Build a Movement 2020 and is co-chair of the COVID-19 Emergency Response Group. He's author of Waging Justice, A Doctor's Journey to Speak the Truth and Be Bold, and Waging Optimism, Ushering in a New Era of Justice. Welcome, Dr. Zaitz. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. Great to be with you today. So, Doctor, you've been a public health official for many years. Is what we're seeing today something that you believed could happen? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I've been studying and working on emerging infectious diseases for the last 25 years, and we know that uh, this can happen periodically. Um, There was a massive flu epidemic that happened about 100 years ago that swept the planet, and I think... uh, We've been preparing for something like that to happen again. So we hear a lot about people saying this is our new normal. How likely is it that a new virus will pop up sometime soon? Could this be one super virus after another? Well, I think in terms of this uh, particular COVID-19 virus, uh, this is going to be with us for the next several years. This is not going to be a quick fix. So the things that we've learned to do now around social distancing and hand washing and wearing a mask in public to protect ourselves and prevent us from uh, spreading the virus to other people that were around. We're going to have to uh, be practicing those things for several years. And yes, I think there are there is a risk for other new viruses to uh, you know come forward uh, with the global population at over 7 billion people. Uh, as we encroach upon uh, habitats of wild species and animal species, bat species, uh, there's more human-to-animal interaction than there had been. And so that is where uh, viruses uh, and infectious disease agents like leap over from the natural world into the human population. So, yes, that can continue happening for sure. It seems like every day we're learning something new. At at first, we believed the symptoms to be one thing, and then the CDC released additional symptoms, and now we're learning about how it impacts children. How long does it usually take for our medical community to get a handle on something like this? Well, I would say that uh, the information and communication and technology era that we're living in right now has rapidly accelerated the amount of information that's being collected and the velocity of our learning is uh, happening at an unprecedented rate. I know to the public, it seems like there's a lot of changing facts and uh, it's hard to track. Honestly, I get that. And I would say it's because we're learning more. It could take months and even years to really fully understand how the virus originated, how it's all the modes of transmission 
that are occurring between human to human, and then the how it evolves in people, the pathogenesis, like the clinical syndrome, uh, why some people are asymptomatic, why some people have a mild illness, and then a small percentage of people go on to have severe and even fatal illness. It's, it remains a mystery. We are seeing some risk factors that have been identified, though, about why some people get the more severe illness. I think some of the things that I've read that are fascinating, uh, people who are presenting with low oxygen levels, 60-70%, who are alert and and talking. So it it seems like I'm hearing more and more doctors say, the things that we thought we knew when it comes to this virus, it's not presenting that way. Yeah, it's a tricky virus, um, and it's presenting in a, a wide range of ways. So people have can be walking in and feeling okay without shortness of breath, and yet their lungs are showing a diffuse pneumonia and their blood oxygen levels are quite low. It's also affecting what we're learning now is that the, the virus has uh, the spikes on it uh, are able to relate to uh, receptors on cells in the lungs, of course, but also the kidneys, the gut, and other organs in the body, the blood vessels. So it's different than like, for example, the HIV virus, where the receptors were targeted for the immune system cells. This virus seems to have a much broader uh, range of uh, cell types and organ types that it can attach to. So yeah, we're, we're, we have the largest number of cases here in the United States. So when you have that volume of cases, you're able to collect more data and be able to start learning more about the different ways that the virus presents itself. Everyone agrees that we have to get back to work and and we have to resume some sort of normal, whatever that will look like. You mentioned a few things that have to happen. How do you truly envision this happening? I see people that are jumping back in and they're not social distancing and, and then we're just going to have a spike come back. So how can we really make this happen? Well, the virus came in and then it went into community-wide transmission in many places. And that is when you saw the large number of people getting infected and a large surge of cases of very sick people that overwhelmed the hospital systems in some places. That is sort of what you want to prevent. And so now that we've done this rigorous social distancing, hand washing, wearing of facial masks, the virus is now more contained in most places. So the idea is that by implementing a rigorous containment program, keep it contained, keep it boxed in, if you will, uh, by testing, frequently getting testing, and then doing contact tracing. So anyone that's tested positive, all of their contacts are tra- are, are followed up with, they're tested. If any of those uh, people are positive, positive people have to be isolated or quarantined and they have to be separated from high-risk people in particular uh, until they uh, get better from the virus. So it's, a, it's testing, contact tracing, and isolation. And then we're going to have to keep monitoring, and we're going to have to keep watching what happens. For example, a couple weeks ago, Germany opened up its society, and then in a couple counties, there was a, a spike and an outbreak, and they closed those counties back down. It's going to be like a dance. We're in a dance with this virus, and we're going to have to see how it operates and how how rigorous we are with our ability to implement these public health measures. And if 
if we're if we're not following these public health guidelines, then I do expect a larger second spike, and that'll be leading to a lengthening of this economic uh, struggle that we're gonna we're in now. We hear a lot about antigens and antibody testing, and we're working toward this vaccine. But what are our options if we learn that the disease doesn't bring immunity and that a vaccine may not work? Well, I think in terms of right now, I think these public health measures are key. I also want to make sure your listeners know that there are things that you can do for immune boosting right now. There is uh, vitamins, for example, like vitamin D. Many There are some studies that have just come out showing that people with uh, severe COVID illness have higher rates of vitamin D insufficiency. And that is something that is easily fixable. You can take a vitamin D supplement. Uh, they're available at the pharmacy or the grocery store. It's cheap and it's effective. And if you check with your doctor to make sure it's safe for you to take, uh, I would highly recommend that. There are other vitamins like vitamin C and zinc uh, that are also probably helpful for immune boosting in general. But vitamin D has uh, shown a particular benefit here uh, with COVID-19. In terms of the uh, antibody testing, there is good antibody tests now that are being uh, that are made available now. Uh, It's very likely that if you've had an illness from COVID-19, you will have some protective antibodies as it is with other COVID viruses, coronaviruses, and other viral illnesses. Uh, We don't know whether it'll be protective for months or years or how protective it will be. So you're right, that is an open question. Vaccines are going to take some time to develop. I think a year or two years is an optimistic kind of timeline. Um, And we have to see how effective the vaccines are going to be and uh, ensure that they're safe before they're given widely to the public. So that's why I'm saying that we have to get used to this social distancing and facial masks for a couple years uh, to protect and reduce the spread of the the coronavirus. Doctor, I had been reading some of the research about vitamin D, and, and it made me wonder, do children naturally have higher levels of vitamin D in their body? Well, I think that vitamin D is uh, produced through the skin that uh, gets uh, hit by ultraviolet light, and then the body generates vitamin D from uh, some precursor uh, molecules. Uh, So to the extent that children uh, are outside playing and get more exposure to sunlight and the fact that they're usually healthier, um, what happens in our modern uh, busy lives is that we're at the office all day and we're Uh, wearing clothes when we're outside. And so the benefits of the sun don't uh, create enough vitamin D. So many adults are vitamin uh, D insufficient, as I am myself. And so, uh, and people with obesity and high blood pressure and heart disease and diabetes are frequently also uh, have vitamin D insufficiency. So it's an important opportunity for for this COVID pandemic, but for an ongoing basis to, you know, deal with this kind of fundamental vitamin that we need to maintain our immune system. So getting our immune system in top working order through exercise and stress reduction and proper nutrition, it'll help combat those lifestyle diseases, which will then in turn, hopefully help combat COVID. You said it perfectly. Yes, exactly. Part of an overall healthy immune system is our attitude. 
and isolation, anxiety, depression, it can all take a toll on our health and well-being. So what advice do you offer to help us stay mentally strong? Well, I think uh, mental health is becoming a serious challenge right now with uh, the COVID pandemic. I mean, we're all trapped and we're, you know, disconnected from our, you know, our social networks and, you know, we're social animals. And so I think that uh, there's certain practices that you can take every day to, like, improve your health and well-being. So what I would recommend are things that are simple, like the getting up and getting dressed every day and taking a shower and getting yourself ready to, you know, be in the world. I think that's been an important practice for me, uh, creating, uh, social interactions, uh, through zoom and Facebook and, uh, through social distancing, even, uh, going out into the, into nature. Um, I think also allowing yourself to feel the pain and, and the suffering, you know, I think like I recommend that people take 15 minutes in the, in the day and do a journaling or do a way of expressing all the anxiety that we're feeling and the sense of despair about the loss of our way of life. And then, you know, let that exist. But it doesn't have to be who we are for the rest of the day. Um, those are some small kind of tips that um, I have found really helpful and that mental health experts are recommending. Doctor, there's so much information out there. Some of it is valid and and other is based on some of these conspiracy theories. If someone's trying to learn and and wants to discern the facts, how do you recommend we do this? How can we get unbiased, non-political, life-saving information? Well, I think that's a great question. So what I've been doing in response to that challenge, because it's been a fire hose of information, it's constantly changing, there's new learning, and then there's also this kind of fire hose of fake and false information. So I've been uh, taking it on myself to process that information and uh, collect information. Then I'm doing a a weekly Facebook live chat. I was doing it every day, but I'm I'm now doing it once a week on Mondays at 3 p.m. And there is, I can't find like one place to go that has like a synthesis of all the information. So I've had to do it myself. I do go to trusted sources, like I do believe in the data and information that you find on the CDC website, the coronavirus.gov website, the World Health Organization website is something that I go to. And then there's a variety of other sources out there. You're raising a very tough challenge right now. There's a benefit of this rapid information flow, but there's also a challenge about navigating it. So I would find trusted people and, and, and be dialoguing and be asking questions and be curious about what the truth is. What I've been telling a lot of my friends is that I approach it with an open mind. I listen to everything and then mm-hmm. go to those sources and, and always consider the possibility, but don't be too quick to assume that something is true. I think that's a fair, fair, good approach. So, Doctor, from all of the years of experience that you have, what do you believe will happen next? Well, I'm looking at it in the kind of immediate term. Uh, You know, right now, what I'm working on here in Washington, D.C., is that there's going to be additional massive legislation coming from the federal government for responding to the COVID crisis and then uh, responding to the economic crisis. So I think it's really important that this 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 crisis and the it showed us how fragile our society is. Uh, it also is creating an opportunity to 
to start to fix some of the underlying problems, the structural injustice, the racial and economic injustice, and to get on top of addressing the climate emergency while we're uh, fixing the economy. So I think this is like, uh, while we're dealing with this public health emergency and the economic crisis, we also have an opportunity to take a longer view. And so I'm working with a whole coalition of organizations and faith leaders and and political leaders on a COVID-19 People's New Deal. We need to assert a people, the people's perspective about how we want to create America going forward. I, I actually uh, sort of reject the idea we want to go back to normal. Uh, normal wasn't so great because look how fragile everything was, how it collapsed in a minute. We need to build systems and a society that is more resilient and more proactive in uh, preparing for these kinds of threats that are upon us. You mentioned your Facebook live chat. Where else can our listeners go to get information about you and your work? Thanks. Uh, I have a personal website. It's Dr. Paul Zeitz, D-R-P-A-U-L-Z-E-I-T-Z.org. And that has everything about me. And then I'm uh, working with uh, Build a Movement 2020. And that is a newly forming uh, political movement to deal with the existential threats of our time. And that website is uh, BAM, B-A-M 2020.world. And all the information about the COVID-19 emergency response group can also be found at uh, Build a Movement, BAM 2020.world. Doctor, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? With every challenge, there's possibility and hope and that we have to do whatever we can uh, to keep ourselves safe. And it's a form of service and uh, sacrifice to make sure that our community and our neighbors and our and strangers out there are also kept safe from COVID. So saving lives is critical and that we can work together and create uh, the way forward that is more just and fair for all. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.